This is the 400th issue of Doctor Strange Comics, and we are looking at Doctor Strange, issue number 10, Remittance, by Mark Wade and Jesus Sayers. Welcome back, fellow Defenders and those Supremes, for this lovely birthday celebration for the 400th issue of Doctor Strange Comics. Uh, and we are looking at Doctor Strange issue number 10 by Mark Wade and Jesus Sayers, which has four um, stories of Doctor Strange in there, including then a big splash page as well. This is Strange Tales on Defenders TV podcast, and I am one of your hosts, and uber Doctor Strange fan, John. Yes, this is a very special episode of Strange Tales on Defenders TV Podcast. You're also probably getting this on our feed at Defenders TV Podcast, our main feed. Uh, but you can subscribe to just Strange Tales on Defenders TV Podcast. You can get that over on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, and on Spotify as well. Uh, if you just want our comic book coverage, we do at least one comic book every month. Uh, most of the time at the moment, it's been Doctor Strange, a great run going on by Mark Wade, And because it was coming up to the fore of the issue, we wanted to make sure that we covered everything. So we've done the first nine issues of this run already. And we've done a little bit of uh, Damnation earlier on last year uh, some on, on the Strange Tales on Defenders TV podcast. And hopefully in the future we'll get the chance to cover some Nick Fury. Since we have three movies coming out this year featuring the character of Nick Fury, hopefully we'll do some uh, some comic books featuring Nick Fury as well. Yes, both one-eyed and two-eyed Nick Fury yeah. will be present on the uh, silver screen. On the big screen, that's right, yes. Or the big screen, in fact, yes. And of course this is a great celebration of all things strange weird kooky and uh, a little bit odd Absolutely. Uh, as we delve into doctor strange issue number 10 we are going to be spoiler filled here so if you don't want to be spoiled please go and pick up uh, the issue from either uh, your local comic book store or electronically as well and of course it's issue number 10 of doctor strange by mark wade and jesus says or Legacy issue 400. Mm -hmm. Yes, 400. The big four zero zero, um, <laughs> so to speak. Yes, Derek, what are some of the issue details? Well, loads and loads of details in here. We're going to actually split this one out into five individual parts because it's done in five parts. Works really well for our five incantations that we normally do on our Doctor Strange podcast. Absolutely. Works really well. So we're going to start off with the first part of the issue. This is the continuation of Mark Wade and Jesus Sayas's run. Uh, the two of them work together on this story, which is called Remittance. It's the direct follow-up to what we talked about last month, issue number nine. So we're finding out a lot more going on in here. Uh, this issue came out on the 30th of January. John, do you want to set it up with the description that was in there from Mark Wade at the beginning of this book sure dr stephen strange has returned from his adventures across the galaxy only to find himself the recipient of a most unusual visitor from the past oh yes yes the ancient one has arrived let's talk about our first incantation that we have on this issue the ancient one is mortal again Yes, he really is. He shows up at Doctor Strange's uh, sanctum and, of course, is old, 
and very, very mortal. Uh, yes, he had passed to the astral plane where he was uh, living out his existence. And of course, we do see him kind of frolicking around in a, in a fairly um, Eden-type uh, green, lush landscape. Um, but then, yes, he is plucked, should we say, or kidnapped from the astral plane. Literally, mm-hmm. this hand comes out uh, of the middle of nowhere and plucks him back to the mortal plane by an unknown person. Um, and yes, we then get these back alley shenanigans as the mortal one tells his tale to Doctor Strange in the Sanctum. Yeah. Uh, and, and really interesting, yeah, the, these back alley shenanigans uh, were effectively his magical knowledge is surgically extracted by uh, a being known as Ficulus who is uh, accompanying this relatively normal looking guy i mean i presume he has magical powers at this stage but yeah uh really really interesting to see um him use these sort of really precise utensils i think the guy says you know um he is very good at extracting stuff uh as he uses these these kind of uh tweezers and scalpel that are made from the bones of a cinnabus to extract the knowledge and and we get that lovely moment where um the the guy goes that's the price yes Uh, but of course the question is for what Mm -hmm. um you know is it the price that the ancient one needs to pay for stuff that he has used or abused in the past or is this something to do with Stephen Strange's use of magic as well? Yeah. Um, because, of course, it links into um, a, one of the earliest issues of Mark Wade's run, I think the, the second issue, uh, where we see the accountants and the accounts receivable. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, you know, it could be the Ancient One or it's something to do with Stephen here. Um, so uh, it, it's a really nice little uh, moment here. I, I yeah. like this this idea of being plucked from the astral plane. You know, the Ancient One here, it, you know, it feels like this is magical retirement to some extent where um, certainly what's depicted in the astral plane before he's, he's plucked from that. But uh, uh, yeah, really interesting. Yeah, we did talk about the last issue, uh, the... Ancient One had actually gone off to find a higher plane of magic um, after leaving uh, Stephen Strange. Effectively, Stephen became the Sorcerer Supreme and it allowed or freed up the Ancient One to go off and find this new strain of magic, this new stream of magic, effectively. So what was happening here is he had had all the knowledge of everything that the Sorcerer Supreme should have because he was the master of everything. And then he was going off to find even more magic and I suppose that's kind of the curse that's happening here when he's pulled out of uh, this existence that he's been going through, where he's been traveling through, learning more and more and more. He now gets all of that magic taken away. So he's reduced to the core being before he ever learned any magic before. So um, I suppose that's the that's the biggest price you can possibly have is to remove every piece of magic that the most knowledgeable magic user has. Yeah, and I mean, he is frail he's fading and he is mortal and um, mm-hmm. i really like the fact that um you know he's having to keep the ancient one alive as stephen strange and you know he's trying to condense all these teachings um into a week uh, so that the ancient one can ultimately survive because yeah. this spell that he needs to conjure to keep him alive effectively 
um, despite his age, has to come from within. Stephen can't simply uh, put that spell or incantation uh, upon him. It has to come from within the Ancient One. So that, mm-hmm. that's really, really nice. But whilst this is happening, uh, Stephen is also using the Eye of Agamotto uh, to see who is responsible to find out what happened to look inside the Ancient One's soul. And of course, this leads us on to incantation number two, which is the accounts receivable, because Stephen finds himself in a huge office populated by um, some mystical or extraterrestrial being here. And it really does look like that moment from a sci-fi set in the future where you have the big bureaucracy uh, doing everything. You know, it kind of reminded me of Futurama (laughs) with the big uh, bureaucracy building. Everyone sat at a desk filling out forms, looking for forms. And it's a really nice touch. You know, that is a classic uh, sort of trope, if you will, uh, of sci-fi. Yes, the head accountant is definitely a pretty scary name for a villain, someone you don't really want to be talking to around April time every year when you have to do your uh, your books for the year. So. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. New villain in the Marvel Universe. <laughs> yeah, but with an ordinary-sounding name, mm. T. Hothran, head accountant, um, to the the magical, mystical beings, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Um, I really like this. I love this idea of it really paying off, this whole concept of there is a price to be paid for using magic. And it's a very, very specific thing that's now come up. I love that they've taken this line that's been said so many times over the years to Stephen Strange and they've made this a villain, effectively, to Stephen. It's going to be, well, now you're going to lose all of your magic now. The threat is there now that the Ancient One has lost everything, that Stephen could also have every piece of magic pulled out from him. And we've already learned that actually what this accountant did, the head accountant, already did pull all of the magic from Stephen, but... Stephen being Stephen, he went out and, and researched other magic to fill it back up again, even though he'd lost everything. Yeah, I mean, in some ways, he is the big bad, but he's also, um, you know, it, it's a real slightly different take on everything. Mm-hmm. You know, when Stephen confronts him, because ultimately here, what what we see is that he's done something really bad to the Ancient One. We see, actually, that Kana, Wong, and Zelma are all locked up and contained here. Um, behind mystical cells. It is really interesting that he's chosen these three characters to represent Stephen Strange, because it is still the 400th issue, even though this is the continuation of the 10-issue Mark Wade run. It's the, still the 400th issue, so he's chosen Wong, who's one of the longest-running characters in the Doctor Strange series. He's chosen Kana, who's the newest character really created for the Doctor Strange series. And he's got Zelma in there, who's the one that we saw just before his series, uh, used by Donny Cates and Jason Aaron for, for their runs on the book. And the last time we saw her was before Mark Waid took over. So really interesting to see these three characters there. Yeah, and they've all had difficult relationships with Doctor Strange as well. You know, Zelma walked away. Kana knows that she was lied to by Doctor Strange. And, and Wong has been keeping his distance because of ultimately Doctor Strange's arrogance that kind of has come back yeah. in, and, and how he's really been using his magic and what was it again with Zelma he put a spell inside of her body wasn't it to hide it from uh, from attackers and never told her that there was a spell that could destroy the universe inside her body yeah yeah really really difficult relationships who doesn't have a difficult relationship with Stephen Strange well exactly I mean well his accountant does as we can see but you know Stephen's really kind of all out after um the accountant here but I, I really like how um T. Hawthorne, the head accountant, you know, says, 
you know, he asks Stephen, what does he think magic has a price? What does he actually think that that means? Mm-hmm. And he's kind of like Sorcery 101. Again, he's been a little bit arrogant. And ultimately it transpires that, you know, he removes Stephen's magical power to stop his debt increasing because his debtors were all asking and trying to get their payment for uh, Stephen's use of, of magic. He relearned his magic, and with this huge um, use of the Eye of Bosphorus, then, of course, the debt just kept racking up and up and up with the use of the Eye of Bosphorus, but also, you know, finding new magical objects and magical races. So mm-hmm. I really like that idea, because this accountant is obviously very, very powerful to be able to remove Stephen's magic, um, and he can stop Stephen's mastery over magic. There's a great line where he goes, I decide how magic is allotted. And it's just so mm-hmm. good because, you know, Stephen's using his new enchanted objects. And of course, um, the guy really is able to stop them. Uh, you know, he looks like an ordinary accountant, but he is able to stop magic. Yeah. Um, it feels a little bit like that that uh, scientific principle of the um, every action has an equal and opposite reaction. It's like Stephen's not able to cast any spell on him because the accountant automatically has the reaction spell which will block it. So yeah. it feels like it's kind of like he's aiming at a mirror and it's bouncing back off it, you know. Um, really interesting concept here with with the head accountant. And you're right, I do like the one little t- little twist on the phrase. What the head accountant actually said is his debtors feel that Stephen's not paying back the price quickly enough. Stephen's yeah. gone through hard times, he's lost friends, some allies have died, that kind of thing. But it feels like he's using so much power in the magic that he's using that even the price that he has paid so far, and Stephen has paid price many times, but even the price he's paid so far isn't enough and quickly enough to satisfy his debtors. This concept of every piece of magic being attached to a debtor is what we'll talk about in our final incantation for this story, really. Yeah, and I mean, even though it's not said, I do feel that what happens to the Ancient One is the price to pay for Stephen's use of the magic, Mm -hmm. not necessarily the Ancient One. It's not said in the comic, and maybe I'm wrong, but it feels kind of nice that that would be the case, that the Ancient One has had to suffer because of Stephen's actions as well. I do also like the fact that when Stephen realises that the accountant has got uh, a response for anything that he throws at him, uh, he takes him out the old-fashioned way. Mm -hmm. Fists, knees, feet, uh, you name it. But at that moment, you know, bloody and bleeding in the crashed desks and office chairs, uh, the accountant, you know, tells Stephen that he's been protecting him against his debtors. Yeah. But... That's because one of those debtors has now come for payment. And mm-hmm. I think moving on to incantation number three, the Faltine extract payment. Yes. This is so, so cool. Um, I have to say, I really like this idea because it brings in Dormammu as um, Stephen Strange's, you know, big, big bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, as the servant of the Faltine as well. 
Absolutely. I'm, I'm so impressed because when I started this run on this, on these comic books as our fellow defenders who listen along with these, as our fellow sorcerers supreme who are listening along to this, no, I wasn't the biggest fan of Doctor Strange. I hadn't read every book or anything like that. John's a much, much more well-versed uh, in Doctor Strange and his mythos. So what I've been doing is every time he used a spell, I've been writing it down and looking up what the spell means, where it was used before, what Mark Wade has been referencing. And I have absolutely noticed over the last nine issues that the Flames of Faltine is something that Doctor Strange, it's almost like a signature move he's been using. When he needs to do something in each of the issues, he's used the Flame of Faltine. I want to go back and count it, but I think he's probably used it almost every issue as a, a defensive spell and as an attacking spell. So it makes a lot of sense that the Faltine would be the ones that would come back and try and extract payment in the book. And I'm really glad that I've been looking back at this over the course of the last couple of issues because it doesn't come as a surprise to me that the Faltine are the ones coming to claim it. Exactly. But it does come as a surprise who are the Faltine, and it is Dormammu. Yeah, I mean, this is the really nice thing about here, because we have the flames of the Faltine being used, you know, these these mystical flame energies that are harnessed and projected by Doctor Strange and, you know, any magical user um, and, and sorcerer. And the power of the, the Faltine, the flames of the Faltine, it comes from this magical race of the Faltines, um, and it comes from an alternate dimension. But the really cool thing is, if you've ever wondered why Dormammu's head is flaming, this is because of the flames of Regency. Um, and that is because the Faltine are composed of this mystical flame energy. Oh, right. And part of that is also used to make this flame of Regency. And this is the crown of flames for whoever is the ruler of the Dark Dimension. Interesting. So the reason why Dormammu's head is comprised of flames and is surrounded by flames is from the flames of Regency. So you've also had Claire, who was um, the the head of the, in the Dark Dimension, the leader, uh, the ruler, I should say, and also Umar as well. So Okay. This is a really nice moment. I don't think I remember Umar. Interesting. Okay. This sure is, will be coming across in the future. This is a really nice moment because ultimately the Faltine come to extract and claim their payment, uh, which is on Earth. And or is it Earth? It's even it more Earth? powerful than that, it feels, uh, as Strange and Kana and Wong and Zelma are all sent back to Earth to see that the Faltine are already there. Uh Strange thinks he's going to be able to get back in time to prevent them from arriving, but they're already wreaking havoc on the planet. Yeah, exactly. And of course, Kana's there going, well, what, you know, what do we do against this? You know, Doctor Strange always has a contingency plan. And he kind of goes, against this type of power, we lose, effectively. Mm. Because you see multiple Faltines uh, flying around... Um, basically destroying stuff so um this is pretty pretty bad um, i must I say think. a great panel um but yeah as you say it's a beautiful uh, concept drawing that he has of all of the faltine attacking um the planet's really cool and they finally got their hands on the planet this is one of the the races i suppose now that uh, strange has always been blocking away from the planet trying to stop dormammu from taking over now multiple faltine are here so uh, interesting to see what will happen and i have to say 
as a final kind of note at this section of the story, I'm so glad this is the 10th issue and I'm so glad this is the 400th issue because if it had ended at this point with that kind of cliffhanger going on to the next issue, you know, we have a month to wait to find out what happens. Yeah, because, exactly. Leaving it with Stephen Strange going, well, I don't know what happens. Uh, I guess well, we're all we, dead. Yeah, we lose. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just, yeah. Interesting. It's always the same, I think, when you have Dormammu. He's such a good um, antagonist mm-hmm. for Doctor Strange. And to see the fact that he is there as the servant of the Faltine, uh, with other Faltines, um, you know, is just so, so good. It kind of connects into the fact that even the Sorcerer Supreme will use energy and magical powers that are maybe a little suspect. Um, you know, these ultimately link back to Dormammu. They're not exactly Dormammu's power, mm-hmm. but, you know, there is that connection there. Well, it's harnessing the power of the Valtine, yeah. isn't That's what the actual piece is. The one thing I did love in this issue is it's when the explanation is coming from the head accountant uh, as to the origin of all of these spells. You know, Kana said it to Stephen before. Why do you use all of these spells that are named after other people rather than creating one's of yourself. I think the dwarf said that actually to yeah. him, um, who was helping him build his own uh, his own magic in the forge. Why are you using other people's spells? That's that's something that you shouldn't be doing. And it's explained here by the head accountant that what he's actually been doing is reaching back to all of the people who are members of the Vashanti and all of these other races and all of these other mystical creatures around the universe and pulling their powers. And they are the ones that are trying to extract this payment from him. So I loved that that moment where we saw images of the Vashanti and Stephen yeah. casting those spells. It was a nice little callback in your 400 issue to call back all the way to way before the beginning of Doctor Strange Sorcerer Supreme, way before him. Absolutely. It, it's the fact that this is energy and the energy has to come from somewhere mm-hmm. and it has to be repaid. Um, there has to be that reverse flow uh, or, or change to something else. And yeah, really, really great stuff here, I think. Yeah, um, really cool. going in and delving back in time and into the mythos of Doctor Strange yeah. and most uh, of you know some of his big villains, some of the recent... Um, companions and introducing and and expanding on this price of magic you know and huge praise to mark wade for getting to this point after 10 issues of his run in the book it feels like this is the way he was building the whole book right from issue one up to this moment uh knowing that he was coming up on the 400th issue of the of dr strange that he was going to have this big moment which revealed what is the price of magic and it is genuinely a ledger of checks and balances effectively and the people that are looking for payment are and a lot of cases, a lot of his greatest villains or a lot of people that have had major moments with Stephen over the course of his history over the last 40, 50 years. Yeah, exactly. Just one note I had in this section. It was noticed by one of our uh, fellow defenders as well. Very odd moment there with Yao, the ancient one. I never actually heard his name before, to be honest. This is the first time I've ever seen his name written down, John, because I haven't gone back to our old uh, Strange Tales books in a long time. I'm sure it's mentioned before, but one of the interesting things in here, we don't think it's a spelling error, but we see... As Yao is pulled out of the other dimension by the head accountant, he is described as Yao from Tamir Kaj. Now, anybody who's seen the movie, anybody who's read the story of Doctor Strange before, knows that Kamertaj is the place where Stephen learned his magics. So, given the kind of mix-up on the name, is he possibly from a mirror dimension? Is this not really the ancient one? Um, is it a spelling error in the forefront of this year of the book? 
I can't imagine that they'd no. let that through. And especially because later on the story, The Lever, which is the retelling of the Doctor Strange origin story, it's specifically written into that story by Mark Wade himself saying it's Yao from Camartage. So this feels like a clue as to a way out for Stephen Strange or a clue that maybe this ancient one is something different than he's saying. Yeah, he is. exactly. There's something awry here, which mm. is, uh, again, nicely little layers, a uh, bit of detail here in the uh, 400th issue of Doctor Strange. And as I say, also pointed out to us by our fellow listener, uh, Beware of Geek, again, another great Doctor Strange fan who's loving these uh, these books as well. So I think that's it for the first part of this issue. Loads more to talk through. We're not going to talk through any of the rest of them in as much depth because obviously this is the continuation of the story that we've been covering in this first section. But part two is this the short story called House Call. This one's also written by Mark Wade, like everything else in the book. Uh, the artwork's by uh, Butch Grise and the colours are by Carlos Lopez. John, do you want to give us a little synopsis of what this one's about? Sure. Stephen pays a visit to a former companion in Zhan Kong, who had wanted to be his apprentice in the past. His son has stolen a magical jewel and unwittingly trapped a bully inside. Yeah, now again, we're not going to go into our top five incantations because it's a really short story. Uh, simple idea in here. Josh, should we just talk generally about the story yeah. itself? Yeah, here we have uh, Gino, uh, this young kid and his father, and he's managed to sort of take one of the amulets that his father's had. He used to be a companion with Doctor Strange, but Doctor Strange never wanted to take him on as his apprentice fully because of the lack of respect that he um, gave to the magical objects. And and in this sense, he kind of chides uh, Gino's dad for allowing him to get hold of this amulet, because ultimately uh, he uses it unwittingly as he's being bullied. Um, mm -hmm. And he traps the bully inside um, this kind of other realm and other dimension, yep. which is filled with these really great sort of vibrant red werewolves mystical wolves or wolves yeah yeah uh really nice they are hunting him down and he, you you know you see his distorted screaming face in the the center of this green jewel yeah. uh, but it's really nice old school artwork yeah. i felt here i really kind of liked it absolutely i love that moment when you see gino staring at the amulet it's a lovely drawn moment because you can see he's completely freaking out about the idea that well he's basically achieved everything that anybody who's ever been bullied wanted to achieve the attacker and the worst of all of them is sent to another dimension as punishment for attacking gino effectively uh, the only thing i didn't like about this one is because they referenced the fact that gino's father was a former uh, apprentice of some sort for stephen strange I kind of wanted to see his name written down because I'm going, should we know this guy instantly by where he's from? Uh, Sing Chow, the place he's from, is a place created in Marvel Universe. It's not a real place in China. Um, so I was hoping that just doing a little bit of research, try to find out who this guy was. I was hoping that I might have been able to catch it, but unfortunately, I didn't even mention his name. It's the only thing I didn't like about the story. But you're right, it does feel really old school. It feels like an 80s story or maybe a 70s story from uh, from Strange Tales, that kind of the shorter type yeah, stories exactly. that we used to get back there. Yeah, and it's really nice because it does have that lesson. I mean, yeah. there was part of me thinking, oh, does this sound a little bit cheesy? But I thought it was like, this is something sometimes that we do miss uh, mm -hmm. in, in comics. And I think it was really important. And ultimately, Gino and the bully come together. Um, you know, Gino actually comes into the amulet with Stephen Strange 
to help Stephen rescue this bully. And in the end, it's even if they are bullies, when times get dark, we all need to support each other. You know, that's the lesson. It's that even bullies can become your friends or maybe need support from other people. Um, And this was kind of a, a really nice element to this little short piece yeah i kind of liked hearing steven say that and now that you guys have learned that lesson you need to tell other kids and let them tell other kids after that as well it feels like you know one of those moments like the stan soapbox that we used to get uh, in the 70s comics when he used to write a piece telling all the kids the meaning of the story so that they can actually learn a lesson from the comic books it's something that's completely lost when you have uh, monthly comic books that are all connected together and you have to read a hundred stories uh, you don't get these single issues so a really nice moment and again written by mark wade as well so uh, showing his ability to completely change his style of storytelling uh, when he does these small uh, these small books let's go on to the next one john yeah part three um is a retelling of dr strange's origin story from mm. the perspective of the ancient one uh, and this is called the lever yes uh, and it's written by mark wade again with artwork by kevin nolan and colors by jim campbell i really really like uh, kevin nolan's artwork uh, here i really think he's got a good style to it and obviously the origin story originally was told in around issue 112 i think it was of uh, of strange tales one or two issues into the doctor strange comic book so it's kind of nice seeing a very short retelling of it we yeah we often mention the fact that the origin story is one that's just told over and over again but nice to see this little twist on it where it's the ancient one telling the story of how he got Doctor Strange to become the Sorcerer Supreme and why he pushed him that way, which I thought was a great choice. Yeah, I I, I think so. I mean, what's really good in this as well is just how Doctor Strange um, is is portrayed because to me it does feel like um, a mopey teenager. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can see the arrogance there, but it is... It's kind of the dismissive, mopey teenager arrogance, uh, I think. Yeah. Or, or not necessarily arrogance. It, it's just, you kind of do want to slap him around the face a bit because he's just like, oh my goodness, you wrecked my head. It's the privilege. It's yeah. absolute privilege. It has, it has that moment in there. You know, he's learning lessons here and they have him mopping the floor alongside Mordo, the other person who's also learning lessons. And you have him constantly whining going, do you not have cleaners here? What's wrong with you people? And you can see the Ancient One and Mordo both looking at him going, you are the cleaner here. That is <laughs> yeah, the absolutely. lesson you're learning today is you are the cleaner here. Yeah, I mean, he yeah. gives out about the breakfast because it looks like <laughs> slop. And yeah. I mean, all the time I was kind of like, you know, if Mordo kind of did strike him down with his magic, I'd be like, um, he probably deserves it here. Well, but but yes. ultimately, um, the Ancient One is in on, on Mordo's deception, you know, his betrayal. Mm-hmm. And... He knows that Stephen Strange is here for a reason. And it, it, it is a nice kind of... It, it's that Jedi moment almost. You know, there is a, a, a sense or a knowledge that Stephen Strange is here for a reason and it's to thwart Mordo. Um, and, and we see this happen ultimately. Yeah, yeah. Really nice idea that with the power that the Ancient One has, he's always known that Mordo will turn on him. And he's always known that Strange is going to become the Sorcerer Supreme. So he has that knowledge of the future. And he's been letting it play out for years. 
But he's kind of gotten bored of letting Mordo wait for him to die so he can become evil. So he's trying to push him into action. And to do yeah. that, he brings Strange in and makes Strange annoy him. That's hilarious. What a great idea that you have it here. Um, I think this is closest to the origin story that we saw in the animated uh, version of Doctor Strange. For me, um, I think it's close to that version because you feel a much more petulant version of Doctor Strange. He's not the arrogant surgeon as much because you don't see any of the surgery stuff. You just get this idea of a privileged guy who yeah. just wants the answer immediately and that's what he's there for. He doesn't want to learn any lessons, doesn't want to learn anything. He just wants to get his answer and that's what he's been traveling the world to do. Um, so it's, it just feels more like the animated version of that, the really shorthand version. Yeah, and ultimately in the end, Doctor Strange is shown to make a really good breakfast. <laughs> of course uh, you'll make To celebrate <laughs> thwarting Mordo uh, and him becoming the apprentice to the Ancient One to become the world's sorcerer supreme. Mm-hmm. Excellent Absolutely. stuff. Yes, yes. Part four we're on to already. Only two more parts left to go. Part four is the double page spread that we have from Tom Palmer, who's an inker and painter, um, as he's described on the page. This is a beautiful image. I would love to put this in our wall, John. Yeah, it's it's really, really good. And it's such a, a nice montage and spread of Doctor Strange through the ages uh, some of his close associates, his place of residence, as well as his big bad as well. Really, really nice. You know, we have the ancient one in here in his old dress, you know, that traditional dress that we see uh, from some of the first uh, stories with him in. We have uh, Dormammu as well with his fiery Faltine head, um, <laughs> as well as the original uh, Doctor Strange look with his kind of leopard print uh, gloves <laughs> yeah. um, that he has, moving through to the classic Picchino's red collars of uh-huh. Doctor Strange to where they try to hide his identity with the the mask uh, as the astral form of uh, Doctor Strange. Yeah, that it, was a really weird one. It, it was really one, was. one I had to find out about because I do remember this. I know some of the toys that, that I've seen, the action figures I have, have the replaceable head where it's the masked Doctor Strange. And apparently it was one of those things. In the real world, it was because the book wasn't selling that well, so they wanted to design Doctor Strange so he looked like a superhero with a cape and a mask, you know, like lots of other superheroes. Um, muscly legs, muscly arms as well. Yeah, and then, but in the comic books, it was because someone had stolen his identity and he wanted to make sure that his identi- identity was protected in future. What was pointed out to them, unfortunately, as comic book writers was his name is still Doctor Strange. So everybody knows who Doctor Strange is. So they had to create another alternate name for him. So he became um, Stephen something else for a while. Stephen Spader. Something like that, yeah, for for a little while in the comic books to cover that up. So one of those interesting ones from the 70s. Uh, also a great image of Eternity yeah. in the background uh, of this of this image. Um, Eternity is a character that, that features quite a lot throughout uh, Strange's history. Yeah, again, um, Ditko uh, created yeah. Eternity. And it is, it's that great image of, of nothingness except the galaxy yeah. or the universe behind it. Really nicely done. Very and cool. of course, we do have the, the, the latest version of Stephen Strange. Uh, as well in Sorcerer his, Supreme of the in his, Galaxy. Yeah, in his Sorcerer <laughs> Supreme 
our outfit, and we get our only representation of Clear uh, right. here as well. So it, it, it's nice, as well as the seal of Vashanti, uh, Shining Bright, and the Sanctum Centaurum. Yeah, absolutely. It's nice to see Clear in here. Would have been nice to actually have a visit from the character in one of these. It would stories. actually. Yeah. I just don't know, don't know what's happened. Whether um, maybe we need to go back and find out when her last appearance was, so we can find out where she's disappeared off to. But I wanted to quickly talk about Tom Palmer, the person who's who's done this artwork as well. Uh, he was an inker on Doctor Strange for two years back in uh, 1968. Uh, just a very interesting story from him where he said um, the reason why he became an inker was because of his work on Doctor Strange. I just thought this was quite yeah, interesting. Yeah. He said he walked in the door at Marvel to do some pencils on an issue of Doctor Strange. It was the first job he'd ever penciled. And at the time, he thought he'd done a good job. But really, it was terrible. It wasn't up to par at all. He went back a couple of weeks later to do the next issue, to do the pencils on the next issue. And I said, no, we're getting somebody else to pencil it. But would you like to ink the book? <laughs> and he said, absolutely. Yep. I'd never inked anything before in my entire life. But to this day, if someone asks, can you handle this new assignment? I'll say, sure. I may not know how to tackle that specific assignment today, but by tomorrow or next week, I will. So effectively, this is how he became an inker is because he did a terrible job doing pencils <laughs> on Doctor Strange. Excellent. Well, that's a really nice story. Yeah, it's really good. Actually. So I love the the idea that that the curator of this book the editor of this book reached out to tom and asked him as one of the last living members of that original team on the doctor strange comic book after strange tales um asked him to do a full double page spread of all of the characters from the time absolutely i mean this is what a celebratory look at what is happening currently in the current run looking back at other stages and parts of this character's development his origin uh, you know the the 70s um looking at the spread going right back to the early days with other people involved because i mean again it there's a real nice moment where you know for steve ditko and stan lee as well who have both passed away both the creators of this character. You know, the book opens up with Marvel Comics presents with pride a very special 400th issue of Doctor Strange dedicated to Stan Lee and Steve Ditko without whom... Dot, dot, dot. You know, this is so good. Really nicely way. done. Yeah, um, and again, just that celebratory aspect to all of this uh, issue is just so... So nicely done. So, to be honest, that's the great thing about uh, this. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think on to our part five. Another short story focused on Stephen's foe Nightmare. You know, mm -hmm. a classic villain for Stephen uh, called Perchance. And again, this is written by Mark Wade with artwork by Daniel Acuna. Oh, yes. Um, for me, the artwork in this is just gorgeous. The opening kind of spread page of it with perchance written at the top there's like colors of the universe in there and it kind of slowly fades as it goes down the page to you know grays and, and gray greens and greens uh, other than the bright red of uh nightmares mm -hmm. eyes and I, I must say i thought the artwork here was fantastic and one of the great things here is it's nightmares are what dreams are made of mm -hmm. and it is the reversal of nightmares power on himself which is really really nice i really really loved this really cool idea uh, nightmare was the first villain really of dr strange he appeared in dr strange's first issue back in uh strange tales 110 so I love the idea that he's the final character to appear in this story. 
and he doesn't really have an interaction with Stephen Strange. What we find out is Nightmare's Nightmare is Stephen Strange. How cool is that? That your your foe, if he ever deigns to close his eyes for three seconds, will have a nightmare about you. That's really cool. Yeah. After all of this time, he still feels scared effectively of Stephen Strange and he completely berates the people around him who let him close his eyes yeah. after a huge battle yeah, that absolutely. he apparently fought in for months effectively he falls asleep for a second and everybody was like we're not we didn't really want to wake you up but <laughs> he's having his nightmare and telling them never ever let me fall asleep again well and it's like shook as he takes the head off the guy that lets him fall asleep yeah um, the other good thing here as well is that this short story gets its name from uh, a nightmare story from strange tales issue 170 which is called to dream perchance to die yes um now, he doesn't perchance die, he does survive his encounter with Stephen Strange, but there was a possibility that he might die. A possibility, yes, yes, but it is one of those ones where they also describe dreams as being little slices of death, it's, it's one of those moments, and I think Daniel Lacuna's artwork in this, as you said, John, is really, really good, and what it really reminds me of is the artwork in Neil Gaiman's Dreaming Books and the Sandman, that kind of stuff, so it's a perfect match of an artist with a concept and I love Mark Wade's writing in this a great idea as well so Mark Wade has to be the luckiest writer for Doctor Strange getting the ability to write the regular book plus the 400th issue getting to explore the origin story getting to do work with Nightmare getting to do a completely one-off side story where you're able to teach a lesson to to kids who might be reading yeah, the book really good getting all of that under under 44 pages isn't it in the book or 42 pages I think the full uh, comic book is so what a great opportunity. Yeah, Someday, definitely. John, someday when you start writing comic books, you'll eventually get maybe Doctor Strange issue 500 in, uh, let me see, nine years. Nine years you've got. Perchance I get to write comics. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's it for the five parts of this book. The only other thing I wanted to note is that there are alternate covers on sale in local comic book shops yeah. uh, a couple of different versions of them uh, we have a frank miller cover um, we have a kevin nolan cover so who who did the artwork in the origin story in this book he has his own cover we have uh, joe casada did a cover of them john you've had a look at the covers what's your favorite of, the, of those alternate covers or do you like the jesus says cover i think the jesus says cover is really really nice mm-hmm. I, I love the ball of fire um really really good or, or ball of light uh, that stephen strange has the globe um mm-hmm. uh, really nicely done and for me i really like frank miller's one as well it really really feels old school that kind Mm -hmm. of you know frank miller in the mid 80s doing daredevil yeah doing um batman just really nice Mm um yeah i really like those yeah and I'll plump for the other two. Casada's work, the work that he's done on all of the posters for the Marvel Netflix shows. He does, he did all the ones for Daredevil and Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, Punisher. He did one for each of those. I love this cover that he's done for Doctor Strange. It makes you, it shows you how much he really loves the character. He's got that power in behind it. And Kevin Nolan as well, who's done most of the covers for this run with Mark Wade. Uh, Hazus does it occasionally and Kevin Nolan does the alternate <laughs> ones. His cover's great yeah. as well. Really, really No, good. really good. Uh, the Joe Casado one reminds me, it's, I always think of rugby legs, Doctor Strange, where <laughs> it's kind of really massive thighs mm-hmm. uh, with tight, like, uh, sort of, uh, Doctor Strange 
blue suit on. And it's just, yeah, I always think of rugby legs, nice. to be honest. Nice. Uh, really good. And the only other one, there is an alternate cover, which is done by Will Sliney, the Irish uh, Irish uh, comic book artist. Um, unfortunately, that one's a tie-in for Guardians of the Galaxy, so there's no Doctor Strange on it. It's just an alternate cover for those collecting the Guardians of the Galaxy series at the moment. So his one doesn't count uh, towards the four variant covers for this book, I suppose. Um and that does lead to my only other complaint about the book, because as we said before, we don't have a local comic book shop where we live in Switzerland. Uh, so we can't go out and buy any of these alternative covers, the variant covers. What I would love if Comixology could just provide us with a copy of those digital covers so we can at least see them in good, high quality for the money that we're paying for the digital issue. I don't see why we don't get the opportunity to see those covers. Uh, I had to search around all over the internet trying to find how many alternate covers there were for this book and make sure I'd actually seen each one of them. Um, and we don't get a choice in having our digital library. We don't get a choice of having the digital cover, unfortunately. So at some point in the future, I guess we're going to be able to get a hardcover collected edition, which will have this in here. And maybe those alternate covers will be in the back of it there. But it would have been nice to have them uh, on the digital download when we downloaded the book. Yeah. Well, who says they're not racing their way right now via Amazon? <laughs> maybe, maybe. Anyway, John, I think that's it for our five sections of this book and this very special edition of strange tales on defenders tv podcast but it does leave me with the one question that i have to ask you as our doctor strange fanatic is this a worthy celebration of doctor strange for his 400th issue i you know i really do think that it is uh, and i do defend this issue of doctor strange mm -hmm. i would give it 400 kamatajis out of five um, <laughs> it is yeah. a little kamatajis <laughs> it's it's very kamatashi uh, i really really enjoyed this you know it was a trip down memory lane mm -hmm. with all these little um short stories focusing on different aspects of stephen uh, strange you know from his earliest foe nightmare uh, great artwork by daniel lacuna there uh, through to uh, the the lever with the retelling of the origin story. Mm -hmm. uh, and then again with the house call, which is, you know, some of my first memories of reading Dr. Stranger, all these short little stories mm -hmm. um, that were compiled together, certainly because as well, he shared strange tales with Nick Fury. Mm -hmm. um, so really nice. And it was nice to see Mark Wade at the center of this, given that he's doing the current run and to that current run, what a great way to bring about this magic pays a price. How does he lose his magic? Oh, yeah. The accountant, the Faltine, and Dormammu. You know, really nicely done. Yeah, so I'm really intrigued to see what happens with Doctor Strange and, you know, his distant companions, effectively. The, mm -hmm. Those ones where there has been a sizable gap between them and Stephen Strange because of how he's treated them. Mm -hmm. So this will be really nice. And I'm hoping that Stephen Strange really does learn to take into account other people's views here. You know, we saw that with Wong in Donny Cates' run with Las Vegas and everything uh, with the damnation. Mm -hmm. uh, we've seen it with Zelma with Jason Aaron's run and the consequences of what happened there and in Donny Cates' run. And we've seen it, um, you know, with Kanna in Mark Wade's run. So really nice bringing those together. I hope we see the accountant back, to be honest. Mm -hmm. That is an accountant with a serious amount of power. <laughs> we um, will. We will. And I, and I do like that, you know, he, he seemed just like an accountant, but ultimately he was trying to protect Stephen Strange yeah. uh, from 
effectively him his overspending. You know, when he was a surgeon, he spent a lot of money and wasted his money on fine cars or whatever. Well, not necessarily waste it, but, you know, mm-hmm. good cars, fine wine. Uh, and now he kind of has brought this overspend into uh, his magical life as well. Yeah. So. I'm uh, sure you said flying cars there, and I thought I was thinking of theory again. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, for me, I think this is really celebratory. And again, I think with Tom Palmer, it's really nice to see um, this Inca uh, coming back to give the full page spread. You know, mm-hmm. really picking out the different designs of Doctor Strange over the years, his, his main protagonists and antagonists um, being the in that full page spread. So really nice. And of course, I think his story as to how he became an Inca um, is just so, so good. You know, <laughs> if, if at first you don't succeed as a penciler, become an Inca. Absolutely. Um, I think is, is the Or just say, I'll learn it by tale. next week. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed this as a, as a celebration. These issues can often feel like everything's been sidelined to do this celebration. What I like here is the fact that with Mark Wade doing the whole thing, he knew where he was going to land with his story. And because it's 42 pages, you don't feel like the actual issue 10 has been sidelined to just provide some celebration. You know what I mean? Um, I think he did a great job of having something separate for each type of the Doctor Strange personality and a great story to begin with. I am really looking forward to finding out the answer to the big question I have at the end of issue 10 of Doctor Strange, which is who is that made the agreement that they will pay the price that magic demands. Who set up this accountancy division, effectively? Was it the first ever Sorcerer Supreme who wrote this contract for every Sorcerer Supreme or every Sorcerer to come that they will pay a price to anybody who's willing to give the magic to them? You know, is that the story that we're going to get told as these issues carry on? Yeah, does it go back to the Vashanti? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. really interesting stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, thank you, fellow Defenders and the Supremes, for for joining (laughs) us uh, in this 400th issue discussion of Doctor Strange. And please, if you have any feedback on this issue or any of Mark Wade's run, you can, of course, contact us through the website at DefendersTVPodcast.com. You can do voicemail if you click on the right-hand side tab, leave 90 seconds of voicemail, or you can send an email at feedback at DefendersTVPodcast.com. And, of course, join our Facebook group uh, for all things Strange Tales and The Defenders. Uh, just head on over to Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash DefendersTVPodcast. Absolutely. Thanks so much for joining us, fellow Defenders and the Supremes. I <laughs> love that. Uh, we'll be back with more Doctor Strange next month on the 20th of February. Issue number 11 of Doctor Strange will be out. Uh, we are still covering The Punisher, the Marvel Netflix show, um, over on our main feed on Defenders TV podcast. We're on episode seven, I think, uh, is coming out next Tuesday. So we're about halfway through the season right now. Uh, been really good overall. Um, I think there's been some very violent stuff going on in that series, uh, but some interesting stuff as well. So if you're watching that show, and only listening to the podcast for Doctor Strange, make sure you pop on over to DefendersTVPodcast.com and subscribe to the main feed so you get our regular discussions about the TV shows as well. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll talk to you again next time. Yeah, as always, fellow Defenders, it is great speaking with you. And of course, especially for this really special episode of Strange Tales, the 400th issue of Doctor Strange. It is a pleasure as always. And remember, fellow Defenders and the Supremes, when times get dark, 
We all need to support each other just that little bit. And so with that, by the seal of Vashanti, we will speak with you again soon. Bye.